0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. Let's take a moment now and uh, open up our Bibles and we're going to hear a little bit more about that amazing gift of life and how the resurrection frees us from the box of death. As we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, open up your Bibles with me to chapter 15 verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I once found a brand new Angels baseball cap in a parking lot. And I almost brought it this morning because I wanted to talk a little bit with you about Nick Adenhart. I'm sure many, if not most of you, heard this past week about Nick and the amazing game that he had for the Angels on Wednesday night. He's only uh, been playing in the major leagues a little bit last season and now... This season, Wednesday night, he had his very first start. And uh, this young 22-year-old baseball player had pitched for six scoreless innings. Only seven hits were scattered through those six innings. He had an amazing game. And he told his dad, he said, Dad, I want you to come to the game tonight. Because something special is really going to happen. I can just, I can feel it. And Nick did, as I just told you, pitch an amazing game. And then, hours later, celebrating with several of his friends, he was in a car and went through an intersection, and another driver came and T-boned his car, killing that 22-year-old young man. Are there ever guarantees in life can you imagine being young nicks dad who the report the reports tell us the next day thursday went out in a in a red jersey matching the color of the angels and stood on the mound where his son had pitched the night before and wept can you imagine being Nick's dad in those circumstances. And yet, in reality, aren't we all Nick's dad because we don't know. We don't know about ourselves. We don't know about those whom we love. We don't know about death. And no one can predict how long we might last. There just don't seem to be insurance policies there don't seem to be guarantees that can keep death pushed away. You know how we talk a lot here at Crosswalk about how Jesus Christ can have an impact on your life today. We talk a lot about how Jesus' blessings and being able to walk in those blessings can, can make a day-to-day difference In your lives, it can literally transform your life. But I want you to know that there's a bigger message, and it would be a mistake for us to get overly caught up on that impact and that difference alone that Jesus makes in this life. You see, because the message of Easter is that there is one insurance policy, there is one guarantee that we can have based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it is the best guarantee you or I could ever imagine. And what we all need to celebrate, what we all get to celebrate this morning, amazingly, we get to celebrate that there is something larger and bigger and better that goes beyond this life. And that is the life to come, the eternal life, that our God has planned for us. This life is only the beginning, the beginning of bigger things to come. And I want us to know if we know anything that comes out of Jesus' resurrection. Even though this life can have amazing significance and purpose, our truest purpose, our greatest purpose is still waiting for us in eternity. And that's why I wanted to talk about These verses this morning, I wanted to talk about what it means when Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 15, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Do you know the story of the very first Easter? About how three days earlier on a Friday night... Jesus had been buried in a tomb after he had been crucified, the perfect lamb of God, the sacrifice for the sins of all the world. He had been laying in a tomb, laid essentially in a box that was carved out of the side of a hill. I'll have Aaron uh, put up a picture here of, it's a little bit fuzzy, but do you see that, that garden there? This is actually called the garden tomb. And it's a tomb that was probably very much like Jesus' tomb. In, in the Gospels, they tell us that, that Joseph of Arimathea's tomb that he lent for Jesus was in a garden. And there was a rock wall with a boxy-looking door that you went in. And once you were inside, you found a little cave where they would have laid Jesus' body. They put Jesus in that tomb. And then the Bible tells us that the disciples and the women went home and they they just were obedient the next day to the Sabbath because the Saturday was a Sabbath day and they did nothing. Very early on Sunday morning, before it was really even light, the women gathered up all the burial stuff that they needed, the perfumes and the spices and the cloths, and their plan was to go and prepare Jesus' body. And they walked out, and in the darkness, they asked themselves how they were going to roll back This large, coin-shaped stone that would have been rolled in front of the entrance of the tomb. In fact, not only rolled there, but because some people had come to Pontius Pilate and said, this guy claims that he's going to rise from the grave. We better post some guards there. Pilate had had the tomb literally sealed. And he posted a guard. But when the women arrived at the door, they found that the stone had already been rolled away. An earthquake had occurred. An earthquake caused, the Bible tells us, by an angel who had rolled back the stone. And the women were shocked to see that big heavy stone rolled away. And I'm sure they debated in their minds for a moment what they should do, but eventually they got the courage up to peek inside the tomb and then then fearfully to actually step inside of the tomb. And when they got inside the tomb, the Bible tells us they encountered two men in bright, white, shining clothes. And those men, one of them, asked the women a a question. Basically asking them, what are you doing here? Don't you remember what Jesus told you? Why are you seeking the dead among the living? He is not here. He's risen. And he's gone ahead of you into Galilee, just as he told you he would. Now, the angel says, go, get out of here right now. Go and tell the other disciples what we've just told you. And the women ran back to the disciples to tell them what they had seen, this amazing miracle of the resurrection. And you know what goes beyond there. I won't go into all the details, but Jesus remained alive for 40 days after he rose from the grave. It wasn't just a a moment, a split second that he was alive. He hung out for 40 days. Days And the Bible tells us that more than 500 people were witnesses to the fact that he had risen from his grave, risen from death. Three days after he had been crucified on a cross, the most horrible and painful and sure way to die imaginable. That's what happened. And because that happened you and i have the most amazing insurance the most amazing guarantee that this life just as it was not all for jesus it is not all for you or me either there is hope now true hope solid firm hope that we will one day through faith in christ also rise from the grave even though as we said just a moment ago the wages of sin is death, And yes, we deserve that death, yet we have all been offered and given that gift that Paul talks about, the gift of life. What an amazing, amazing thing that is. Jesus, once dead, had come alive again. You know what Jesus told the disciples even before he died? Words that we all need to hear this morning. One time he was with his disciple, Martha, and he looked right at her and he said, Martha, I want you to know this. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, he will live again. On the very week that he was going to be crucified, while he's teaching them that he's going to die for their sins, he says, look, it's time. This is going to go down. It's going to happen. It's time for me to be glorified. But here's how I want you to picture it. I'm going to be like a seed that looks dead, goes into the ground. But remember, with a seed, it has to die. Because once it dies, it goes into the ground and it produces so many more seeds. Jesus is actually telling his disciples, the life that I'm going to have after this life is going to be even more productive in terms of welcoming people into heaven than this life that you see me living now. This sacrifice of the cross that I'm going to make for people, this resurrection, is going to cause my kingdom literally to explode. And if you want to know how that came true just read the book of acts because that's exactly what happened and it continues today jesus in that little section where he tells the disciples i'm gonna die and my life is like a seed says this and he says it to us he says if you love this life you're gonna lose it But if you're willing to lose this life, you'll gain a new life, a better life for eternity. You know, that's exactly what we read in the book of Philippians from the apostle Paul too. notice what he says. I put this in your crosswalk notes, which are inside your bulletin folder. Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, our citizenship is not here. There's a better place coming. Our true citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I want you to circle that word transform. Because that's the key. The key word in this passage, you and I, one day, we are going to be transformed. Our bodies, our lives, our entire existence is going to be transformed into an eternal existence, an incorruptible existence by what Jesus has proved in rising from the grave. You think... That this life now has purpose and meaning and significance. The life that you're going to live for eternity is so much more. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who made us for this very purpose. Will you circle that phrase? God has made us for this very purpose. What what does he mean when he says for this very purpose? He's referring back to the mortal being swallowed up by eternal life. What he's telling you is your true purpose. As meaningful and significant as Jesus makes this life, your true purpose lies ahead in eternity. God made you for the very purpose of enjoying his immediate presence in heaven. And he guarantees by giving you his spirit, the Holy Spirit, through, through this book, the Bible. He guarantees. You see, there is a guarantee, isn't there? What is to come? There it is. That beautiful word, guarantee. And when we go back into 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, look at how Paul words this very same guarantee. Look at what he says. He says, I declare to you. See that word? It's as if Paul would be saying, I am telling you the honest truth. I raise my right hand. I swear to you. I declare to you, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This current body that we have corrupted by sin cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, Paul says, I tell you a mystery, something we can't fully grasp or understand. But we will not all sleep, meaning some will experience Jesus' return alive. But, he says, we will all be Circle that word changed. We will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Aren't those amazing words? When we started this message today, we talked about sudden death and how tragic it is for a young man only 22 years old to suddenly die. But look at what Paul is promising here in 1 Corinthians 15. For those who trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to experience sudden life in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, he says. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. What an amazing promise. And that's our first point, a promise that I hope that you all take home with you today based on Jesus rising from that tomb, that box that he was in. Jesus' resurrection guarantees that there is going to be a big change for all of us where these dead, sin-filled, corruptible bodies will be changed into immortal bodies by God himself at our resurrection. But let's be honest, we live in a world where even the guarantee of a big change doesn't necessarily do it for some of us. I mean, honestly, even the thought of death kind of makes us squirm a little bit, doesn't it? You look at our world today, and there are people everywhere trying to shove death back or shove it out of our minds at least to the very edge of our minds where we don't have to think about it much we don't have to be as they say morbid you can go on the internet go to an internet website called real age where you can take a test and find out what your real age is by taking 150 uh, question questionnaire now, how many of you would normally sign up for a 150 question? Questionnaire most of us if we were offered 150 question questionnaire would go away screaming and running going. "Uh-uh, Don't want that 12 million people in our country have taken that questionnaire so they can find out what their real age is My wife Julie told me about um, a segment she recently saw in 60 Minutes about a compound that can be distilled out of wine called resveratrol. And resveratrol, they believe they can concentrate it and put it into a pill form and they can literally turn back the clock Some pretty amazing claims. I won't go into those. But here's one thing that's not just a claim. It's what literally happened. The two scientists that started the company that did the research on resveratrol, they just recently sold their company to GlaxoSmithKline, the big pharmaceutical concern, for three quarters of a billion dollars. You think that we're not interested in this country in pushing death back? You think we're not looking for guarantees and assurances that somehow we can can avoid the Grim Reaper? You need no more than those 750 billion reasons to know that we don't like to think about death, and we all wish that there was some sort of an insurance policy that would protect us against it. And you know what the amazing thing is? There is one. There is an absolute assurance and insurance policy and guarantee of life. The only trick to it is, one, it's free. And so that makes us a little bit suspicious, doesn't it? You see, God says, I want you to have life. And I'm going to give it away by sending my son Jesus to die and then to live again. I'm going to prove that it's possible through the resurrection. And the other trick? To get this life eternal, you have to face death, that Box in this life you have to pass through it believing in jesus as your lord and savior believing that he will take you back out of that box in his time and make you alive again and that's what paul is trying to assure the corinthians of to give them this this absolute confidence that they will one day rise now how do we know how do we know that this insurance policy is any better than resveratrol or realage.com? Well, here's how I know. I look into this book, and I imagine how in the world could someone 600 years before Jesus even was born prophesy about everything that Jesus would one day do? Down to the very specifics. And it happens again and again in the Old Testament, but one of my favorite prophets who really gets specific about what Jesus would do for us is the prophet Isaiah. I put a quote for you from his book in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7. Take a look at that. Isaiah points to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was built on a mountain. And he says, on this mountain, he, God, will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. The sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from the earth. He's saying this 600 years before Jesus even arrives On the scene. Isn't that amazing? And look what he says. He'll destroy the shroud. The the death shroud that covers all of us. The sheet that gets pulled up over every last person's eyes. You probably know that recently the, the mega hit TV show ER had its finale episode, right? You think about that on er now because the show has been canceled there will be no more sheets pulled up there will be no more disgraceful diseases and hurtful things happen there will be no more crying or tears on that show because the show is gone canceled over with it's the finale you know what isaiah is saying much bigger Then the end of E.R. is the end of death itself. Death itself has been killed off. It is dead. And we know that because of the resurrection and these prophecies written many, many years beforehand that tell us that Jesus Christ, God's son, would do exactly that. See, when Jesus himself rose, remember, he hung out for 40 days with an imperishable, immortal, glorified body. As he walked with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, at first they didn't even recognize who it was that was walking with them. In his glorified body, later on, he passed through some doors that were that were locked to get in so that he could talk with his disciples. And there he stood. Alive. So alive that when James said to him, Lord, I, I got to have some proof. I want to touch your hands. I want to feel that wound in your side where the soldiers stuck the spear. And Jesus was open to all of that because he wanted them to be confident and assured and know beyond Any shadow of a doubt that death is dead. Take a look at what Paul writes. I'll read from verse 53. For the imperishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up it's gone it's been swallowed up in victory where o oh, death is your victory where o oh, death is your sting john the apostle writing to the churches in the book of revelation says that there is a time coming when there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things is past What an amazing set of words that is and Paul writes to Timothy and he identifies exactly why we believe that it's because of Jesus Christ. This grace was given us in Christ Paul writes before the beginning of time God had a plan before he even created the world. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who has circle those words destroyed death. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus' resurrection ensures the death of death. And that's our second point today. Jesus' resurrection ensures the death of death. I want to wrap up the message this morning by reminding you of something I said a little bit earlier Remember how I said that here at Crosswalk, we love to talk about how Jesus makes an impact on your life right in the here and now, right today. And yet I said, I don't want us to ignore the fact that what we talk about on Sunday mornings or in our growth groups, it has eternal impact. And that's what we've been talking about this morning. The eternal impact of Jesus' death and resurrection. Our sins are forgiven. We can be sure of that. Our guilt and our shame is gone. You have the insurance policy and you have the evidence that Jesus has risen from the grave. 500 people saw it. It has eternal impact, but it also has impact that's as fresh as this morning's headlines. And I want to spend just a few moments talking about that before we leave this morning. I pick up this morning's Arizona Republic on my way to church. Our personal Great Depressions is the big headline in the box. Mesa resident Bob Green, 62, is struggling to find a good job and fears he is overqualified. The 30-year Air Force veteran has a master's degree and speaks three languages, and he can't find a job. He was laid off by Avnet in March. The article goes on to say these are clearly not good times. The economy's woes are taking their toll on more than just our retirement funds, our job security, and our home values. The seemingly never-ending torrent of bad news is beginning to hurt us both mentally and physically, and I might add, to some extent, also spiritually. Recent studies suggest that more than 80% of Americans are stressed out, More than 80% stressed out by financial issues related to the economy. We're not sleeping. We're not eating right. We're just feeling lousy. Did you know that in the resurrection is not just power for the eternal life to come? Is not just insurance and guarantees for heaven? but also for a transformed life in the here and now. That there are guarantees and assurances in Jesus' resurrection for a power that will give you a peace in your life right now that goes beyond all understanding. And it it will also make it possible for you to go through the downs, and there are going to be valleys in life huge ones sometimes you're gonna you're gonna struggle in your business life you're gonna struggle to pay your bills you're gonna struggle in your relationship to your spouse and with your children with your parents you're gonna lose your best friend in the world sometimes not always to death And, and you're gonna want to just go back home get in bed pull the sheet up not to die, but pull the sheet up and let it be a shroud on your day and just go, no more for today, God, I'm done. That's going to happen some days. But when it does, I hope that you go back and you'll remember that Jesus' resurrection also has power for you for today and assurance. Listen to what Paul says as he closes out these verses. He says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing word! He gives us the victory. Are we walking around depressed in fear of what might happen to us next? Paul says, Don't be afraid. You are walking in victory. He gives you the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says, my dear brothers, look at these words. These are awesome words. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amazing. We walk in victory. And even though we're going to face those valleys, we can face them with confidence. We can pull out this sword, the sword of the word, and we can, we can find answers for our life. We can look to Jesus, the one who rose from the grave and say, if he could bounce back from the grave, if he could bounce back from that, why am I sweating the small stuff? Brothers and sisters in Christ, don't sweat the small stuff. Jesus' victory over death and the grave means that he can lead you to victory over anything. Literally anything. And that's why Paul says, stand firm. That's why he writes to the Romans. And I put this in your crosswalk notes. And he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors conquerors through him who loved us and jesus himself said this i have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world oh yeah jesus admits it you'll have trouble we live in a sin-filled world we ourselves can fall into sin each and every day we'll have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world. So we all have to ask ourselves, do we want to walk our everyday life, our walk in the crosswalk, living in fear? Or do we want to live in faith? Do, do we want to live worried and depressed, cycling on our problems, or do we want to live in thankfulness? Notice how Paul says this, but Thanks be to God," he exclaims. And do we want to experience the joy of victory? Some of you know that joy. You've watched a favorite team. Maybe it was just recently in the in the uh, in the NCAA March Madness. Your your college team won, and you were pumping your fist in the air, and you were going, "That is so cool! My team won." Some of you have just played. A round of golf and you've shot your best round ever and you're going wow you know what it is to experience to know the joy of victory and you have that victory the biggest victory of all in the resurrection of jesus christ from the grave jesus resurrection secures for you and for me the joy of victory When we look around us, sometimes we're going to feel like there are no life insurance policies, no guarantees. But I hope today as you go home from this service and you hear Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 15, the the biggest resurrection chapter in the Bible. As you reflect back on that story that I told you about how those women went to the tomb, to that box of death that had held Jesus for three days. And they walked into that tomb with the stone rolled away. And the angel said, what are you doing here? He's not here. He's risen. He's gone ahead of you into Galilee, just as he told you he would. I hope that as you hear that story, you'll be assured you'll know that you do have the best guarantee of all and i want you to buy it you don't have to do anything to buy it just buy it in your heart god's holy spirit will cause you to buy it as you hear these words and then if you do buy it come back Come back for the rest of this series and hear more about how Jesus' resurrection is going to give you a life that is out of the box. Come back even if you don't quite buy it yet. You might not. Come back and learn more because in doing that and exploring what this guy Jesus Christ is all about, he might just lead you to have the best gift that you could possibly ever imagine. Eternal life with him in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. What an amazing thing you've done in sending your son Jesus Christ for us. And then in allowing him to be the perfect sacrifice that that took away all of our sins and guilt and shame and even took away the wages of our sin death itself. Lord, you've proved yourself. You've proved that you want to insure us against death itself by raising your son from his tomb. We celebrate this morning. And with confidence, we say, we know all that you have done. Your son, Jesus, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.